Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. We survived a scare down in Champaign-Urbana. Another one. Now comes the next big test on Saturday night. Joining us in just a moment will be senior editor John Borton from the Wolverine magazine. A reminder, though, to please comment or rate the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can also email me with any of your maize and blue thoughts. Just send them to the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you anytime. Before we get to John Borton, as always, let's get started with my view from Section 17. I'm waiting to sit back and enjoy one of our games this year. What started out as a blowout on Saturday turned into a nail-biter. Now, the optimists out there would say we were gritty and we battled adversity, mainly self-inflicted, to hold off a game Illinois team. The pessimists would say there was some improvement, but not much. I'm still not sure what kind of a team we have. I'm sure many of you are in that same boat. But at the midway point, it is hard to believe we are going to morph into a quick-strike, powerful offense overnight. It's going to take time, no doubt about it. I think that's very clear now. Two things, though, can make us better right away. Stop putting the ball on the carpet and cut down on the silly penalties. Do that, and you at least give yourself a chance most nights. So far, this has been a very frustrating team to watch. Now, my guest today says Saturday night serves up another opportunity for this team on the national stage, on the road, against a top 10 team. And we know how well we fared in those games over the last decade. But it's another chance. John Borton from the Wolverine Magazine is up next here on The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
back with us on our game day segment as we take a peek back at the Illinois game and what lies ahead on Saturday night in Happy Valley is editor John Borton from the Wolverine. John, great to have you back with us. Great to be with you, Mike. Enjoy it as always. Well, John, after the uh, the first half of the Illinois game Saturday, I thought, you know, okay, this is more like it. But in the second half, the Illini scored those 25 unanswered points, and they made me sweat. It just seems like nothing comes easy for this team this year, does it? Uh, no doubt about it. And that's probably what the writers were thinking when they had their stories ready to file after it was 28 to nothing. <laughs> the uh, the massive blowout, the domination in Illinois and all of that. And uh, and then all of a sudden, it's uh, 25 straight points for the Illini, 28-25, and everybody is looking and saying, what in the heck just happened? But what you saw in that uh, in those few moments of, of terror for Michigan fans was some of the things that were uh, plaguing this team all year long. Uh, a little bit of a, a letdown defensively and a little Combine that with uh, turnovers on offense, putting the ball on the ground again and again, and it just fueled that comeback. You saw uh, Illinois, I I think they made some changes and really came out with a purpose in the second half. They don't want to be embarrassed either. Uh, So they come out, but Michigan helped them along. And that's what has, I think, the onlookers that, that are not, sold on this team yet thinking okay this things are not worked out yet and what's going to happen when this team hits the big time and it's right there now with a game under the lights at Penn State with Notre Dame coming up uh yeah there there are some major concerns fumbles 17 so far this year nine of them I believe it is we've lost and with that schedule coming up it, that just cannot continue, can it, John? No, it can't. I mean, and, and it's not like it's not been emphasized. One of the things that Jim Harbaugh said after the game is that, uh, that his backs, their number one goal, number one priority in practice is ball security. And it just can't happen, and you can't uh, put it on the ground, and yet it continues to happen. Uh, Zach Charbonnet's been pretty good with the football, the freshman, but uh, you know he, he coughed it up at a – at a crucial time and the same with uh now christian turners was not a a a fumble technically but uh, he did put it on the ground after after a knee was down they they kind of uh got lucky in that instance that uh that that wasn't called but um you know even the even the senior uh true wilson puts it on the ground and you just cannot continue to do that. If it happens out at Penn State in that fashion, they lose that game and maybe decisively. There was a week, obviously, with with Iowa where everybody thought, okay, you know, this is this is more under control. Uh, Michigan won that battle of the turnovers in uh, in very strong fashion and. But then a week later, you know, you see it come back. And it just, um, I, I cannot emphasize enough. You, we do so many game previews, and we'll, we'll ask you, well, what, are the, what are the top three things that Michigan has to do in this game? Well, what are you going to hear? Not turn the ball over. 
And time after time after time, this season is happening. Well, there were some positives, of course, especially in the first half of that game, the run game. Uh, we saw Charbonnet come back strong. He's looking a bit more healthy now. But Hassan Haskins really looked good. So that was the best we've seen it so far this year, John. No doubt about it. Uh, you, you balance that with the fact that uh, Illinois run defense is terrible. I mean, they've <laughs> given up uh, combined 600 yards rushing in the two previous games to Michigan. So, you know, you take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but you're right. They they ran the football very, very well. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, and as you mentioned, Hassan Haskins, he really got everybody's attention when uh, he hit hard into the line on uh, a, uh, I believe it was third and short, mm-hmm. fairly early in the game, spins out of a defender's grasp and goes about 25 yards for a touchdown. It was a very impressive run, and frankly, he looks more and more confident as he goes along, and that's looking like it could be a a really good one-two tandem for Michigan. They can both carry the ball. They've got got speed. They've got moves. Uh, They just have to uh, not put it on the ground and for the most part those two guys haven't done that too much but um you know that's it will be re-emphasized no question about it in this week of practice leading up to Penn State well the offensive line play was also very good Saturday yes again keep in mind it was uh, Illinois that we were playing against but we were driving people off the ball it was the first time in quite a while or consistently in the first half we've seen all five of the offensive linemen driving people back. And again, it's Illinois, but that is at least encouraging, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to do it against uh, Illinois. And for a while, I thought Illinois was Rutgers, too. But they <laughs> they obviously had more pushback than uh, that Rutgers did. But uh, you've got to do it against those teams, and then you work your way up. And I think you know, certainly what you have to hope if you're a Michigan fan about this offensive line is they are gaining confidence. You know, they had those first few games where they really weren't as intact as uh, you might've thought going back to the last year when you had all these uh, all big 10 performers, John Runyon wasn't in there. Now he's back and, and kind of up to speed. Jalen Mayfield on the other end at, uh, at right tackle is now getting grounded and doing some good work. He has really come along since the start of the season. So they are in a position where they may be able to do it against a higher-level team. And look, as we, this team has one loss, and that is to a, a very, very, very good Wisconsin team. Just ask anybody from the state of Michigan, <laughs> whether it's in East Lansing, whether it's Ann Arbor, I mean, uh, Wisconsin has owned the state of Michigan so far, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing their showdown with Ohio State because I think right now those are the two best football teams in the conference. But what my point is, losing to Wisconsin this year is no great shame, but it's what happens from this point forward that is going to mean so much to this Michigan team and uh, and that starts in uh, State College on Saturday. Well, looking back again on Saturday, we saw there were 25-mile-an-hour wind gusts. The ball was wobbling. I thought Shea was making at least, at least good reads in the passing game uh, in adverse conditions. Uh, he wasn't great, 11 for 22, but 
he he did a pretty nice job, John. The wind is never blowing in your living room when you're watching it on TV. <laughs> and I have noted the great difference between being at all these venues at Iowa, at Illinois, the, the Plains venues where the wind is whipping and swirling and it really, really has a major effect on the on the game. And, and I know, you know, you, you look at message boards and people at home are holding their head in their hands and saying, well, how is this? What? Why aren't they able to throw the ball better than this? But it, it is a great factor. Jim Harbaugh took note of that afterwards, and I, um, and I thought you know, Shea Patterson performed pretty well under those circumstances because uh, that is difficult, and uh, and he held up pretty well. I mean, he he did not turn the ball over. He was very efficient in that way, and that was absolutely the biggest thing. You couldn't have had him contributing to um, to Michigan's turnovers, and uh, really, I mean, it it would have been that much closer and that much scarier for Michigan fans. I thought Shea Patterson was uh, was solid in that game. Well, does it look to you like he's getting more comfortable with this offense now? I see flashes in some ways, mm-hmm. but that's I mean, that's the team, that's the offense. You you see flashes here and there, and you see. Okay, well now they they ran the ball well here. They threw it pretty well here. They really got, you know, they the, the Ronnie Bell is coming on and this or this player or that player or Hassan Haskins, but to see it come together in a big game is again going to tell the tale. I mean, you've seen uh, an offense that. Uh, basically did nothing in the first three quarters against Wisconsin. You saw Iowa, the other very quality opponent Michigan has played, um, basically not score for the last three quarters and, and hang on to a 10-3 lead. So it's in a game like the ones they have coming up where we'll really know, okay, where is this offense? Yes, they can score against Rutgers. Yes, they can score and move the ball against Illinois. Where's it going to be when you need it against the Penn States, the Notre Dames, to an extent Michigan State, Ohio State? That's it's a it's a schedule that's loaded on the back half as they often are, and I think that's where we're going to know. Okay, where is this offense genuinely? Well, Don Brown's defense came out on Saturday, and they were very, very good in the first half, flying around like we see them uh, most games. The second half, they struggled for a lot of reasons, uh, which doesn't happen or hasn't happened very often so far this year, but it did get scary in the third quarter, didn't it? It did, and I think that was uh, one of those very rare, strange occasions where I think the defense just let down emotionally a little bit. You're up. 28 nothing. you're absolutely dominating them. They tweak a few things uh, to half after scoring late in the half and uh, and did some different things that were giving uh, Michigan's defense some problems. And you know, They've got some talent over there, but I really think that there was somewhat of an emotional letdown, and um, it's, it, it happens, I guess, but it certainly is something that Don Brown – is uh, going to be railing about behind closed doors the fact that uh, they were able to dominate to the extent that they did and then let Illinois back in the ball game because then you're at the point where 
couple more breaks, uh, bad breaks for Michigan, things happening for Illinois, and it's a different story. I will take note that on both sides of the ball, you know, I don't know as a lot was made of this, but there were some people that were nicked up and that uh, that weren't playing in this mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. Certainly an all-Big Ten cornerback in, uh, in LaVert Hill for the defense, you didn't have your best receiver, Nick, Nico Collins, on the offense. and uh, There were certainly uh, those are points to look at and say, okay, you know, they weren't uh, – they, they were – at least to some degree, saving some people for Penn State, but you know those things can contribute to uh, not being as uh, posting as decisive a win as they might have as well. Again, uh, you, you you showed a de- defense that was so dominant early, and then I I think they just um, you know maybe maybe took a deep breath, relaxed uh, for a few minutes, and you can't do that against uh, anybody in the Big Ten, except maybe Rutgers. Here with us on our game day segment this week, looking back at the uh, Illinois win on Saturday, is editor John Borton from the Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Well, John, this week it's on to Happy Valley. It's a whiteout. It's a Saturday night game against undefeated Penn State. Game day is going to be there. Another huge barometer game for Michigan, isn't it? Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's the next big test. <clears throat> we talk about quality wins in the Big Ten. Michigan has one, and that uh, is beating Iowa. I, I just uh, Illinois and Rutgers are going nowhere, and, but Penn State certainly is. Iowa is certainly a quality opponent. Michigan wins, uh, beats Iowa at home. Penn State goes to Iowa, and I was picking Iowa to win that game, but uh, Penn State found a way at 17-12 to take a, a very quality win on the road. It's tough at Kinnick. Uh, there's no, I can't stress that enough. And uh, to to be able to go out there and uh, and win is uh, is huge for Penn State. Uh, I don't think this is uh, – they haven't played great competition other than that. I mean, they were in a, a battle at home against Pittsburgh early in the year, 17-10. They won that one, uh, beating up on on Maryland and beating up on Purdue doesn't uh, impress too many people. It's kind of like those other two games for Michigan to this point. But it is hard. It is hard to win uh, – under the lights at Penn State when that crowd gets whipped up and uh, you've got a lot of emotion going and a lot of noise going, we're going to see how uh, how Michigan responds to this because this is a this is a chance to post the sort of win that could say to this team and to a lot of those people that are are watching it, you know what this the back half of the season could be different than maybe what we've worried about through some of the inconsistencies. I've seen bits and pieces of Penn State. I sat and watched the entire game on Saturday night. I have to say I was really impressed, especially with their young quarterback. They have plenty of weapons on that team, but quarterback Sean Clifford, he's a Cincinnati Moeller kid. Iowa had them, you know, down a distance so many times, and this kid with his feet uh, was able to pick up first downs. He's a good-looking quarterback, isn't he? He is, and that's uh, something that you have to keep an eye on because that uh, the mobile quarterback, the the 
X factor there, uh, you can do a great job of um, shutting different things down and being in in good shape on the passing game, having people covered, and then all of a sudden seeing somebody scramble out. And uh, and as you mentioned, Clifford uses his feet. He's He's got 252 yards rushing and a couple of touchdowns on the ground this year. So, that, I mean, that is uh, something that's huge in his favor. He's thrown for almost... 65 percent, 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions. So he has done, I would say, what uh, Michigan hoped that Shea Patterson would do in this offense is have that high level of productivity without the turnovers. I mean, two interceptions to this point in the season, you're halfway through. That is really, really strong. With a high quarterback rating, uh, he's yeah he's a kid that um, is operating at a level that you really would like to see, and uh, you know it'll it'll be a good challenge for uh, for Michigan's offense to try and step up and and be as mistake free as Penn State's has been at times. And if you get that, you're going to have a heck of a ball game Saturday night. Absolutely. He's a very impressive kid. And when he's handing off, uh, until Saturday, they were using four running backs. And it looks like they've maybe settled on freshman Noah Kane as their, their number one back right now. And when I was watching him, he's a typical Penn State back. He's big. He's fast. And slowing him down, uh, man, that is going to be a key, isn't it? No doubt about it. Five and a half yards of carry, six touchdowns so far. You know, he's very he's he's very solid and um, somebody that will hurt you if you don't really focus on him and and stack him up. Not as uh, he's not Jonathan Taylor explosive, but who is? And you know he's got that combo with Clifford. I mean Clifford uh, is their second leading rusher, so. You have uh, have that situation where you you start looking for Noah Kane and uh, and Clifford can make something happen and slip out. But absolutely, uh, for for a freshman, very impressive so far. He's one of those runners. He's he runs very low, which I always have liked, and he just pops out. And you noticed against Iowa, we've seen Iowa, and then seeing them on Saturday night, that is a very very good defense. They tackle well. He was running right through tackles of some very talented linebackers and D linemen. Absolutely strong, not afraid of contact, and he's. Uh, it's not like he's when he gets in close quarters that he's going to try and run around you. He will uh, lower his shoulder and go right into you, as you, as you mentioned. Strong for a freshman, especially, and that mm. uh, that's just going to get better, uh, which bodes well for Penn State in that area. Well, the other weapon that worries me on Penn State is a Michigan kid, K.J. Hamler, and I'm not sure how he got away from us or that other team in this state, but they like to get the ball to him in space because he's a flat-out playmaker, isn't he? Oh, there's no doubt about it. He's uh, he's very good in um, all around, really, but but the, uh, the explosiveness that you mentioned, he's averaging uh, 17 and a half yards of catch, five mm-hmm. touchdowns, just just that uh, got the speed and the looseness. They get him the ball in space, and, uh, and that's a big deal. It's, it will be good for Michigan. I, I expect that you'll see Levert Hill back in this game, and, uh, and that's 
important for Michigan. They're going to need all hands on deck in the defensive secondary. Well, that Penn State defense has been a surprise so far. A lot of folks uh, thought they might be good. They have a ton of talent, but it's all coming together. They just don't have many weak spots, do they, John? No, they really don't. They've uh, they've played very well. They play good team defense. They don't give up uh, a lot of big plays. You just look at the scores of their games, and uh, they are they are holding people in. They you know to go on the road against Iowa and hold them to twelve. To uh, you know their their other close game, you know they only gave up ten points. They're it's almost uh, almost Tresselian in uh, in their way they're winning, and and what by that I mean you know you you play it close to the vest you. Uh, you play really good defense and you force the other team into making the mistakes. And so, I mean, they, they have the capability to score more, but they also have the capability of, uh, of getting in this, these slug fests and, uh, and winning the close low scoring games uh, by giving up the, the 12 or 10 points. And the, you know, honestly, I would expect that they are thinking they could win that sort of game against Michigan, given the uh, some of the inconsistencies in Michigan's offense. Well, I'm trying not to be too much of a pessimist about Saturday, but I mean, beating Penn State in that crazy atmosphere at night will take a better performance than we have seen from this team so far, won't it, John? I think you're right. Absolutely. It'll take uh, more... Uh, I guess ball security mm-hmm. certainly the mm-hmm. to the level of of what you did against Iowa, but you're going to have to score. You know, you, you're not going to win this game ten three. You've got to score more than than ten points to win this game. You you not only have to protect the ball, you have to do something with it, and that means uh, running the ball at a higher efficiency against a good team. Uh, you're not going to run it like you ran it against Illinois. But you got to get some of those tough yards, and maybe that's where the emergence of what we talked about with the offensive line and and Hassan Haskins, along with uh, Charbonnet, uh, can take it up a notch in this game. Uh, Shea Patterson, uh, he needs Nico Collins back. He needs uh, Tariq Black catching the football. Ronnie Bell operating at a high level. I think this is a – I mean, if you're going to pick a time, for this offense to come together and prove that it can not only protect the ball, but also uh, do something with it in terms of scoring 27 to, to 30 points in this game. Uh, and that's, that's a high, high ask. Mm-hmm. You're more, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that Michigan gets there. I'm not sure it has to get there, but uh, if you did that, you're going to win this game because I think Don Brown's defense is going to, perform very well and and hold Penn State into the area of 20 points or so. Well, a final question for you, John, and I know we've uh, talked about this uh, in the last few weeks, uh, calling this game a barometer game, that game a barometer game, and, you know, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, you can certainly say that about this week's game. It is a gut-check game, and I, I guess the thing that if Michigan can win however you get it done in Happy Valley this could really turn this team in the right direction, couldn't it? Oh, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And that is despite whatever might happen a week later against Notre Dame, because this is a Big Ten game. And you would uh, you would be in a very good position at that point to uh, to get on a roll 
in the conference and put yourself in position to where, okay, Ohio State is coming to town uh, and the, the Big Ten East is on the line and the trip to uh, the Big Ten championship game. So, and that's, uh, that's about all Michigan can ask for at this point and the people that are, are looking on. You, but, but that is wholly dependent on winning this game. If Michigan does that, then all bets are off as to uh, what they might be able to do in terms of getting on a roll and getting better leading up to that Ohio State game. Well, we all agree with that. So we shall see what happens uh, this Saturday night in Happy Valley. With us here on our game day segment has been senior editor John Borton from the Wolverine. John, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and we thank you for your time and look forward to our next visit. Thank you much, Mike. Always enjoy it. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Jim once again had very little to say on the injury front at his Monday presser. He is hopeful Lavert Hill, Nico Collins, and Quiddy Pay will be back. Sean McCune and Dylan McCaffrey made the trip on Saturday to Champaign. They were both cleared to play. McCune did see limited action, four plays. We'll update the injury news on Thursday's show as we might have more to report at that time. Michigan four-star recruit Braden McGregor from Port Huron suffered a season-ending injury on Friday. Reports vary, but tonight I read a story that said he would be having surgery later this week to repair an MCL and a torn meniscus. He is scheduled to be an early enrollee, so we will see if he's able to take part in spring practice. According to the story, the doctors think he will be. Redshirt freshman tight end Mustafa Muhammad has entered the transfer portal. The four-star from Texas has fallen to fifth on the depth charts, so that might be the reason he's decided to go somewhere else. We shall see. Just because you enter the portal doesn't mean you are leaving, but it is the usual first step. On Thursday's Visitors segment, we'll be joined by radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. So make sure you join us for that. We'll also have the latest game day weather forecast, some fun game day facts, and once again, any injury news if it is made available this week. Thanks again to my guest today, Senior Editor John Borton from The Wolverine Magazine. That will do it for our game day edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Make sure you come back for Thursday's Visitors Edition when we get the view of Saturday's big game from the Penn State perspective. Until then, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!